section ninety five of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the marchioness of delmore the marquis of delmore awoke as it were from a deep trance and opening his languid eyes he beheld a female form bending over him he attempted to speak but the lady placed one slender finger on her lips in token of silence and closing his eyes again the old nobleman endeavoured to collect his scattered ideas or rather to dispel the mist which hung over them it struck him that the countenance which he had just seen was not unknown to him and as he dwelt upon it in imagination it gradually became more familiar while by imperceptible degrees it awoke reminiscences of the past some of pleasure but most of pain until an idea of the real truth dawned in upon the mind of the marquis then again he opened his eyes and though long years had elapsed since last he beheld that countenance each feature each lineament was immediately recognized but so confused were his thoughts that he could not recollect why a feeling of aversion and repugnance prevented him from experiencing joy at the presence of her who was standing in painful suspense by his bedside at last as reason asserted her empire a knowledge of who she was and all the incidents associated with her revived in his soul while at the same time and with a species of undercurrent of the reflections a feeling of what had happened to himself and why he was stretched in his couch came slowly upon him then he suddenly raised his hand to his throat and the bandage there convinced him that the last reminiscence which had just stolen into his mind was indeed too true averting his eyes from the mournful and plaintive countenance which was still bending over him he groaned aloud in very bitterness and then a deep silence ensued in the chamber several minutes elapsed during which the burning tears streamed down the lady's face but she subdued the sobs that almost choked her for she would not for worlds permit any evidence of her own deep grief to disturb the meditations of the enfeebled nobleman on his side he was absorbed in profound thought the incidents of the past rapidly becoming more definite and vivid in his memory until there were few things left in uncertainty or doubt and nothing in oblivion slowly turning towards the lady the marquis saw that she was overwhelmed with sorrow although she hastily wiped away her tears and moved deeply moved by this spectacle as well as influenced by a host of tender recollections the old man extended his hand towards her murmuring my wife is it indeed she who is now watching by my side oh heaven he recollects me he will forgive me she exclaimed in a tone of the liveliest joy and carrying her husband's emaciated hand to her lips she covered it with kisses sophia said the old man in a low voice and speaking with difficulty we meet after a long long separation but let us forget the past is it possible that you can forget it asked mrs sefton or rather the marchioness of delmore and bending her burning face over his hand which she still retained in both her own she added in a tone so low that it seemed as if she feared even to hear her own words 
you have so much to pardon but i never viewed my conduct in this light until i came and beheld you stretched upon the bed of 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 death said the marquis his pale countenance becoming if possible more ghastly pallid still no no exclaimed the marchioness with the excitement of voice and the gesture of despair you must not talk nor think thus despondingly but tell me my husband tell me oh say can you forgive me for the past we have much to forgive on either side sophia responded the marquis and as i was the first cause of dissension between us as i indeed was the author of all your unhappiness by forcing you into a marriage which you abhorred tis for me to demand pardon first tell me then sophia tell me that you can pardon me for all the misery i have been the wretched means of heaping upon your head oh yes yes exclaimed the lady the tears again pouring in torrents down her cheeks would to heaven that i could prove to you how deeply sensible i am of this kindness which you now manifest towards me then you forgive me cried the nobleman pressing her hand tenderly while joy beamed in his eyes hitherto dim with the glazing influence of a mortal enervation then you forgive me he repeated his voice becoming stronger yes oh yes a thousand times yes she exclaimed and bending over him she pressed her lips upon his cold forehead but do you pardon me likewise she asked after a few moments pause it was i who provoked all that has occurred i who was the unhappy means of blighting the pure affections of your youth returned the marquis and therefore whatever may have been the consequences i am bound to pardon and forget alas sophia often and often and with feelings of ineffable pain and anguish have i thought of that fatal day when long years ago i levelled at you a terrible accusation but i was a coward and i was cruel thus to have taxed you with a fault which at that period my jealous suspicions alone to what do you allude demanded the marchioness inwardly shocked and with her heart bleeding as she asked the question for she divined too well to what her husband did allude and she was almost crushed with a devouring sense of shame oh if you can have forgotten that fatal day exclaimed the marquis whose sight was too dim and whose mental powers of perception were too weak to enable him to understand rightly his wife's present emotions then are you happy indeed for alas i referred to the day on which we separated sixteen or seventeen years ago i cannot now remember accurately how many have passed since then and why allude to that unhappy epoch asked the lady in a low and tremulous tone because i wish to convince you that i am indeed repentant for all the share which i took in sealing our misery replied the nobleman on that memorable day i accused you of infidelity towards me and yet subsequent reflection has convinced me that you were innocent then oh never never shall i forget that tone in which you breathe the fatal words all is now at an end between you and me we part for ever i have thought since i and i have said that you resembled what would be a sculptor's or an artist's conception of injured innocence and then when i adjured you in the name of your infant daughter to stay you uttered a wild cry and fled that cry rings in my ears now has vibrated in my brain ever since oh in the name of heaven proceed not thus murmured the marchioness covering her face with her hands and sobbing bitterly but wherefore did she thus weep wherefore were her emotions so powerful why was her heart thus wrung and so every fibre appeared to be stretched to its utmost power of tension it was because on the occasion to which the marquis referred guilt and not innocence 
had made her voice hollow and thick as she breathed the words which decreed an eternal separation it was because that wild cry had been wrung from her by the appeal that was made in the name of the infant child whom she knew to be the offspring of her amour with sir gilbert heathcote but there are times when conscious guilt so much resembles injured innocence that the most keen observer may be deceived and such was the fact in the case now alluded to a long pause ensued during which the marquis still totally ignorant of the real nature of his wife's emotions gazed upon her with an affectionate interest that was rapidly growing into a resuscitated love weep not dearest he at length said weep not i implore you i weep because i feel that i am so completely unworthy of your present kindness responded the marchioness withdrawing her hands from her face and bending her tearful eyes with an expression of such mournfulness and such profound penitence upon her husband that had he the power to raise himself in the bed he would have snatched her to his bosom it is now my turn to implore you not to dwell longer upon the past he said taking one of her hands and conveying it to his lips we have promised mutual forgiveness you have pardoned me for forcing you into a marriage which caused all your unhappiness and i have pardoned you for your connection with sir gilbert heathcote since the period of our separation this is the understanding between us sophia and now we are friends again but tell me my dear wife tell me how long i have been stretched on this bed and how you came thus to be here to minister unto me four days have elapsed since you since began the marchioness hesitating how to allude to the dreadful attempt at suicide which her husband had committed oh name not the horrible deed he groaned forth writhing in anguish but it is not known save to three or four persons hastily observed his wife well aware that this assurance would prove consolatory heaven be thanked murmured the old nobleman clasping his hands fervently and now tell me my dear sophia how you came to learn the shocking intelligence if you will compose yourself as much as you can and speak but little i will explain everything to you she answered assuming with captivating tenderness of tone and manner the position of wife and nurse one word first exclaimed the marquis agnes is here beneath your roof was the reply my daughter again near me he murmured joy animating his countenance but in another moment a cloud overspread his features as he said hesitatingly does she know of the dreadful attempt that i made upon my life heaven forbid ejaculated the marchioness shocked at the bare idea that circumstance has been religiously withheld from her she is however now aware that she is the daughter of the marquis of delmore and not of plain mr vernon and she believes you to be dangerously ill she has indeed been my companion for hours together by your bedside dearest agnes exclaimed the nobleman with an effusion of tenderness in his tone i will see her presently when i am more composed he added and now give me the promised explanations relative to all i have asked you listen then my dear husband and do not interrupt me you have already spoken too much considering your depressed and enfeebled state and sir john lascelles when he calls again will be angry with me for permitting you to use such exertions oh you know not how kind how attentive he has been but you will shortly have an opportunity of thanking him with your own lips for he will be here in an hour though the room be darkened it is now about eleven o'clock in the morning and he will call at noon compose yourself therefore and i will give you all the details you require the marchioness arranged her husband's pillows kissed his forehead once more 
and then seating herself by his bedside proceeded as follows that excellent young nobleman lord william trevelyan called upon me a few days ago in consequence of an interview which he had had with you it was relative to agnes i assured him that sir gilbert heathcote and myself had come to an understanding that we should see each other no more and i likewise informed lord william that it was my intention to repair with agnes to the continent but after he had taken his departure i reflected profoundly upon the plans i had somewhat too hastily determined to adopt and another project suggested itself for you may believe me when i solemnly avow that all my solicitude was relative to agnes her present happiness and her future welfare in the world alone occupied my attention thus was it that the thought stole into my mind of how unfortunate it was for her to be separated from the father whom she loved so well how prejudicial to her interests the equivocal position of her mother was likely to become then i resolved to see you to throw myself upon your mercy to implore forgiveness for the past and to beseech you that we might all dwell once again beneath the same roof for i reflected that as you had shown so much forbearance in never appealing to the courts of justice to divorce me legally and as you had rather manifested every inclination to envelop in secrecy the causes of our unfortunate differences the conviction gained upon my mind that you were generous enough to be capable of still farther sacrifices for the sake of agnes oh you can comprehend a mother's solicitude my dear husband yes yes proceed exclaimed the marquis powerfully affected well animated with the hopes inspired by all these considerations resumed the marchioness i passed the night in meditating upon the best course to adopt in order to procure an interview with you an interview after so long a separation at length i determined to pen a brief note stating that family affairs of the utmost importance to us both had induced me to take this step and a letter to that effect did i accordingly write on the following morning but when i had completed this much of my task another idea struck me which was to become the personal bearer of my own note i will now candidly admit that i shrank from undertaking a task which might appear to you to evince a matchless audacity and presumption but when i thought of agnes i resolved to risk any mortification or shame which could possibly be inflicted upon me oh no mortification no shame cried the nobleman would to heaven that you had only come in time to to hush exclaimed the marchioness placing her fingers on her lip you promised that you would listen without exerting yourself to speak proceed dearest said the marquis who all this while had one of his wife's hands locked in his own summoning all my courage to my aid she resumed i resolved on presenting myself at your abode i arrived i sent up the letter by your valet and in a few minutes he came rushing down the stairs with a countenance that had horror depicted in every lineament i shall not however dwell upon this portion of my adventure you may probably conjecture how dreadful was my alarm how great my grief when i learnt from the broken sentences in which the man spoke the frightful intelligence of the condition in which he had found you then i revealed to him who i was and recovering my presence of mind bade him place a seal on his lips with regard to every one save the doctor whom i dispatched him to fetch in a few moments i was with you i stanched the blood i did all that an unassisted and inexperienced woman could do in such a case sir john lascelles arrived and the information he gave me after inspecting the wound was reassuring i then resolved to remain with you 
and i sent the valet to fetch agnes this is all the explanation that i have to give unless i indeed i should add that i communicated with lord william trevelyan who as a generous friend and as the intended husband of agnes has he visited this chamber asked the nobleman hastily yes was the reply considering that he was alike in your confidence and in mine i did not think it either grateful or prudent to leave him unacquainted with all that had occurred the secret therefore rests with him the good physician the valet and myself and the household general believes that you were found in a fit which has been followed by a dangerous illness my dearest wife said the marquis after a long pause were there no circumstances which compelled me as an honest man to ask your pardon for the past in the same way as you have demanded and obtained my forgiveness all that you have now told me would efface from my memory everything that it had ever cherished to your prejudice the delicacy you have displayed your generosity your watchfulness nay i cannot permit you thus to exert yourself interrupted the marchioness placing her hand upon his mouth but you must permit me to declare how deep is the gratitude that i experience for your conduct towards me he said oh my beloved wife for so i must again call you i was mad at the time when i laid violent hands upon myself oh speak not of that exclaimed the lady my god was it in consequence of that last interview which you had with trevelyan no no interrupted the marquis do not blame yourself in any way it was not on account of the determination which you had expressed and which he explained to me to retain agnes in your care no alas a far less worthy cause but tell me he exclaimed suddenly checking himself as an idea struck him has there been any communication made from my bankers do not harass yourself with matters of business said the marchioness in a tone expressive of the deepest solicitude nay if i am to endure the tortures of suspense i shall never recover exclaimed the nobleman with strong emphasis besides i see by your manner that something has occurred sophia well i will explain everything said the marchioness and then your mind will be relieved for i see that it is useless to expect you to compose yourself while any cause of vexation or excitement exists tranquillize your mind therefore relative to the matter which is now uppermost in your thoughts your honour has been duly cared for no exposure has given existence to shame or humiliation oh again again i thank you my generous wife cried the marquis but pray give me an explanation of all this i will do so without farther preface she said in the course of the day following the mournful one whose chief incident made me an inmate of the house to which i only came in the first instance as a visitor the principal partner in the banking firm in the strand called with an earnest request to see you immediately in pursuance of certain orders which i had given to the servants relative to any visitors who might come upon business i was immediately made acquainted with the banker's presence and i hastened to the room where he was waiting i assured him that you had been seized with a sudden fit and were unable to see any one and as i had already made myself known in the house as your wife i informed him that i was the marchioness of delmore he said that it was of the greatest consequence for him to see you and i replied that you were insensible to all that was passing around you he appeared much annoyed indeed bewildered by this announcement and i conjured him to be candid with me he then stated that a forgery had been committed upon the bank your name having been already used to procure the sum of sixty thousand pounds that the legitimate owner of the cheque had just called to obtain the cash was actually waiting at the bank at that instant and that he himself had come to require final instructions from you as the lady was resolute in enforcing her demand pardon me my husband continued the marchioness if i tell you i suspected 
that the affair was one which you would be unwilling to have exposed and indeed on a little farther conversation with the banker i heard sufficient to convince me that such was the fact i accordingly took it upon myself to desire him to effect a compromise with the lady in question but she being obstinate he paid the entire amount this result he subsequently called to communicate to me and i hope that you will at least approve of my motives if not of the instructions that i gave i approve of both answered the marquis and i again thank you sophia for the delicacy which you have exhibited in my behalf at this moment a knock at the door of the chamber was heard and sir john lascelles immediately afterwards made his appearance the worthy physician was much delighted at the sudden and unexpected improvement which had manifested itself in his patient and after a few inquiries of a purely professional nature he turned towards the marchioness saying to her ladyship my lord are you indebted for your life her prompt attention and the singular presence of mind with which she adopted the proper indeed the only effectual course immediately after the discovery of your alarming condition saved your lordship from a speedy death during the four days and four nights which have elapsed since the occurrence continued sir john lascelles alluding as delicately as he could to the attempted suicide her ladyship has been constant and unwearied in her attendance at your bedside in order to retain the sad secret within as narrow a circle as possible her ladyship would not even permit a nurse to be engaged but unassisted she has sustained all the cares all the anxieties and all the fatigues inevitably associated with daily watchings and long vigils pardon me madam for speaking thus enthusiastically but throughout my experience which embraces a lengthened series of years i never never beheld such devotion i thank you doctor said the nobleman for dwelling with such emphasis upon conduct as noble as it is generous certain differences trifling in reality and all in consequence of faults on my side continued the marquis had long kept us apart but we are now reunited never again to separate until death shall lay his hand upon me doctor added the nobleman after a short pause while the marchioness was weeping through deep emotion should you ever hear any one allude to our protracted separation i beg i implore you to declare upon the authority of my own avowal that i alone was the offending party and that her ladyship has generously forgiven me everything i shall not wait to hear people allude to this matter ere i myself broach this subject in order to volunteer that explanation said sir john lascelles who firmly believing all that the marquis had uttered naturally considered that the most ample justice should be done towards a lady who had exhibited such a noble devotion to her husband under such peculiar circumstances when the physician had taken his leave after prescribing certain medicines and giving the instructions necessary in the case the marchioness bent over her husband and with deeply blushing countenance said if there were anything at all deserving of praise in my conduct yours is beyond all commendation for i have merely performed a duty whereas you have proved yourself to be the most generous of men oh how can i ever sufficiently thank you my dear husband for having thus disarmed scandal of its weapons thereby saving my honour even from the faintest breath of suspicion and in order to do this you have taken upon yourself the odium which attaches itself to the separation of man and wife i need i deserve no thanks said the marquis you have saved my life you have recalled me to existence to you am i indebted for that leisure which by god's mercy may yet be afforded me wherein to repent of the heinous crime i have committed in laying violent hands upon myself sir john lascelles goes much into society he is intimate in all the first houses at the west end and he will be careful to propagate the intelligence which i gave him you may therefore hold up your head proudly sophia for your secret is also retained within as narrow a circle as my own and now 
as you have eased my mind on so many points let me relieve you from any shadow of uncertainty that may hang over yours in respect to the cause of this dreadful deed the fatal results of which were averted only by your timely aid it was through disappointment in respect to that very lady who presented herself at my banker's enough exclaimed the marchioness we have already had too many painful revelations this day she added in a low and affectionate tone if you are now strong enough to see her i will fetch agnes to remain with us for a few minutes the marquis joyfully assented and sophia having arranged the collar of his linen in such a manner that the bandage on the throat could not be observed quitted the room she however almost immediately returned followed by her daughter who was overwhelmed with delight to find him whom she believed to be her father so much improved but when the marchioness contemplated the heartfelt joy with which her husband welcomed agnes to his arms she was stricken with remorse at the deceit she was practising upon him permitting him to regard that beauteous girl as his own offspring could she however destroy an illusion which gave him so much delight and was the source of so much happiness will our readers blame her for cherishing this secret in her own breast instead of uselessly destroying the fabric of domestic peace which had once more been built up in that lordly mansion after this interview with agnes the marquis shortly fell into a deep and refreshing slumber which continued until the evening on the following morning he was so much farther improved that when trevelyan called he insisted upon seeing that good young nobleman who was delighted beyond measure to find that such a signal change had taken place in his condition End of section ninety five